Why Watch That is a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. While nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome Welcome to to Why Watch Watch That. We're on Twitter. What? We're on Facebook. What's a Facebook? We're on Instagram. <laughs> and we are on the WWW. But guess what else we're on? What? We're on YouTube! Oh! <laughs> YouTube! That's right. We have our own channel. Oh. Yes, there you can find our episodes, some trailers, and a whole lot more we're cooking up. And we have a very, very special opportunity for you. That's right. If you subscribe at YouTube, our channel there, this month of July, you will be entered to win a custom watching plan from Why Watch That. If you win, yeah, we'll tell you, hey, here's some things for you, just you, to check out. We will curate that thing for you. Ew, why watch that? We're kind of nice over here, aren't we? We sure are. So if you're interested in that, and heck, you should be on the YouTube anyway. The YouTube. See, I was saying like, oh, <laughs> not just a YouTube. <laughs> be on the YouTube anyway at our channel, Why Watch That. Subscribe in July, and maybe you'll know what to watch from here forth. Ooh. So why watch that TV talk? Wipe that microphone off because it's wet. Oh my. <laughs> With my French? Yes. Le français? <laughs> listeners, the critic counts down when we're about to start and he does it in French backwards. <laughs> and when he got to quatre. <laughs> quatre. For I, I, you could just pretty much ring that microphone dry. <laughs> Who are you, listeners? Oh my goodness. Hey. It's the end of the summer. Wow. And I know the kitties are gone back to school or they're gearing up to go back to school if they go after Labor Day. I say this. Why not? Why not binge something <laughs> before... <laughs> before everything in your household goes right back to normal. And for this week, we have what we call a potpourri. Jeopardy, that final category where they just slopped everything together. I mean, it could be about anything. Well, that's the kind of week we have for you at Why Watch That. We've got a potpourri of television. Mm. Mm. I'm telling you, this week we've got a little bit of a series premiere. We've got a season premiere. We've got season finales and a series finales. We're saying goodbye to one of the strangest shows on television, yet somewhat satisfying. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But first, let's start with series premieres. Um, We are gearing up for this new show on HBO called The Righteous Gemstones. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. It was, there was an hour premiere followed by some half hour episodes. It's all on HBO. You know, you got to wait week to week. You can't just binge it all. But it's its first season. And quite frankly, it I think HBO is probably one of the best networks that gives you half hours. Yeah. I think they really capitalize it, whether it's a comedy. And sometimes they do drama half hours. Mm. And it's not easy to do that, especially when you have the sort of rain and, and the the breadth and width that you, you know, the leeway that you have on HBO. It's easy to take things to an hour, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, that's really well said. Okay, now. <laughs> it really is. I mean, you just, like, nailed it for HBO in the half hours. Um, here's the thing for the righteous. Let, let me start with this before I get into this. Okay. First of all, I want to say une crème brûlée. Oh, there it is. That wet mic. <laughs> but seriously, I've ref. I've been in a mood recently. Okay. Where I am tired of okay. I'm tired of people holding back, trying to recoup their money. I know what's going on behind the scenes. I'm oh, so over you, it. you come over to my side now. <laughs> like I'm over it. Like go, do it, do it, or get out of the way. Now, with that said, oh. The Righteous Gemstones, this comes to us from Danny McBride. If you know Danny McBride, he does have a now long-standing relationship with HBO. Uh, he created Eastbound and Down for them first, and then he did Vice Principals, and now we have oh, Righteous Gemstones. Oh, okay, gotcha. So if you know his work, you know what you're getting here. But this time, it's about a family of televangelists. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> Okay, so these are mega church preachers, a whole family. John Goodman is the father. Uh, Danny McBride is the oldest son. And then he has a, a, a younger brother and a younger sister. And everybody's a preacher except for the sister. She's the secretary. Oh, mm. geez, there we are. Now, what does she think about that? Uh, she doesn't think very highly of that, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And she was in Vice Principals, the actress. So it's nice to see her back uh, being ridiculous. <laughs> and what happens is, there is they are encroaching on other uh, preacher space in the area. So these preachers come to them and like, you need to calm down, led by Dermot Mulroney's character. Okay. Oh, Dermot. I always get them mixed up. You know, I don't know who you're talking about right now. Dylan McDermott, <laughs> Dermot Mulroney, yes. Uh, not Dylan McDermott, not, uh, what was he in? The Practice, not him. Oh, okay, gotcha. We're with you. We're with you. Oh, yeah. Runaway uh, the Bride. With, uh, the, uh, uh, what is that? Runaway? No, not Runaway Bride. Was it, was it Runaway? My Best Friend's Wedding. My Best Friend's Wedding, yes. Mm -hmm. Dermot Mulroney. Love Dermot. So he's here and a bunch of other preachers are going, you know, pretty much you don't need to come into our area. Now, does John Goodman listen? Oh, absolutely not. It's John Goodman. Exactly. Now, outside of that, uh, Danny McBride's character, um, he's in a compromising position because somebody has some footage of him and his buddies doing some off-brand things. Uh-oh. I'll put it that way. And they want some money. Oh, blackmail. There you go. Now, what happens as a result of that, right? And what happens when he goes to his siblings? And of course, these siblings don't get along. <laughs> uh, you know, he and his brother, they're fighting for who's the better preacher. Oh. I mean, the show starts off there in China, baptizing thousands of people and fighting in the, in the water. Oh, okay. my goodness. The sisters, like, all y'all underestimate me. And so on and so forth. 
So, you know, that's the setup here. For me, this is right in line with what Danny McBride typically does. Uh, I would say closer to how I felt about Vice Principals, where, uh, you know, it'll pass the time. You kind of laugh at their non sequiturs, the ridiculous uh, kind of impro improvising they do. Um, but for me, and when it comes to comedies, I don't think I've formally said this on Why Watch That Ref, but you know what I think. Yes. Um, and we have one accord. It's the premise that needs to be funny for me to really like it. I think the premise is good, but what they're doing with it early on isn't that interesting. So we'll see what happens after that. All right, well, let's move on to Hulu, which by the way, side note, Hulu is coming for you, okay? Hulu is saying, you know what? Y'all making original content, we're gonna make original content. Hmm. Now, whether that content is, you know, knocking it out of the park every time, that's to be, you know, decided. But what we can say about Hulu is that they are constantly turning and churning original things. And just as a side note for our listeners, Disney now has not just the majority share, but there's only a sliver left. <laughs> um, and I think um, I think NBC's still holding on, if I'm not mistaken. It, it's it's very very little stake that other networks have in it. It is basically going to be another Disney platform. So yeah. we'll see the kind of original programming that Hulu continues to do. But for now, they have a new show out called This Way Up, and I hear it's from across the pond. Yes, um, and it's it's just six episodes so there's no real strong commitment here i don't know much about it you do so please share yeah and it, you know the six episodes it's like 23 minutes each per episode it really i mean if you have no commercials with hulu it takes a, a little over two hours to get through the whole season isn't that something are you seeing this trend more and more that shows are cutting back to the half hour i hope so <laughs> I mean, really, look, Ref, as you've always said, do not waste our time. Come on now. Get to the point. Excuse all of us. I'm over it. So, with this way up, uh, it is created and um, starring uh, Ashling B, who is an Irish um, actress and so on and so forth. And so she plays an Irish woman who's living in London, um, and she's had a nervous breakdown. At the beginning of the series, her sister, uh, played by Sharon Horgan, comes to get her um, from rehab. Oh. Then we shuttle forward in time a bit, and we see her teaching this class, but she's teaching the Kardashians? What? What kind of class would teach the Kardashians, People right? People are playing the Kardashians, or is it the Kardashians? It's literally they're watching their reality show. Oh. And, and and so you don't know it until you start listening and she starts talking about, you know, all the different names, Chris and Kendall. You start hearing names. You go, they're talking about the Kardashians. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, what kind of class is this? Well, she's teaching people English. She's a language teacher. Oh. So she's using the Kardashians to do this. And the question is, can she find love again? Her ex-boyfriend is in the mix. Uh, can she move forward from her nervous breakdown? What caused the nervous breakdown? Her older sister, uh, Shona, played by Sharon Horgan again. Wh what's their relationship? Because Shona is very concerned. She tracks, uh, uh, now, um, 
the character's name who had this nervous breakdown is Anya. So she tracks Anya's movements on her phone. She always knows where she is. <laughs> you know, she has a boyfriend who's looking at her going, okay, um, <laughs> you need to let go a bit. She meets a new friend, by the way, through the boyfriend. And I won't even give away what's going on with that by the end of oh, the season. So, you know, by the end of the season, there are a lot of question marks. And the way there is very fast, as we've said. So is this worth, worth watching? Well, look, um, Sharon Horgan is an executive producer of this, and she co-created Catastrophe for Amazon Prime. Okay, yes. So if you've seen Catastrophe, this might work for you. It's not quite as good. I'll say that it doesn't go quite as deep um, in the half hours as Catastrophe did, but it's brisk. I didn't mind it. I looked up and it was over. So there you go with this way up. Remember, it's coming to us from across the pond. If that's your kind of thing, check it out. There's no harm here in doing so. Oh, that's excellent. Thank you for that. Um, let's move on to On Becoming a God in Central America. Central now, Florida. I'm Central Florida. <laughs> well, hold on. I had already moved on. But actually, that would be a great- That would be hilarious. On Becoming a God in Central America? Yeah. I would watch that. Well, we're close, right? <laughs> but anyway, it's, show, it's on Showtime. The first two episodes are available. And it's absolutely free if you just kind of want to dive in. And, you know, some, some people like to dip their toe into the pool. Whereas others like like to dive in. I'm a I'm I'm a it depends on the day. And so you get two episodes free if you want to check that out. There are ten total. But again, this is on showtime, so you're gonna pay for it <laughs> eventually. If you like it, you're gonna pay for it. Yes. But again, the title is not Central America. It is on becoming a god in Central Florida. Wow. <laughs> I think I should pitch that to somebody. Central America, come hey, on. I think so. I love it. Um, now, for this show, it stars Kirsten Dunst. Yes. 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 You, uh, you enjoy her. I, you know what? Kirsten has always been good. Yes. Um, and I, I, what I really am enjoying from Hollywood is they're giving her roles now that matter. So this is very rare for a child actor to turn into what Kirsten has. Very yeah, rare. That's true. Very true. So I, I, my hat goes off to her, and I'm just happy that she's finding these roles on TV now. She, we probably have Fargo to thank, Noah Hawley, who cr created that show, um, because he hired her. And I think that showed people that, hey, she can actually do dramatic acting yeah. if needed. And so she works in dramedies. And that's what this is, or dark comedy. Um, now, what she, she's playing a wife of Alexander Skarsgård's. Oh. And he is involved in this scheme, I'm going to call it. The scheme. <laughs> he needs a good guy role, because I'm telling you after that last one. <laughs> and it is a pyramid scheme. Oh, dear. But he thinks he's going to make all this money off of it. And, you know, in a pyramid scheme, you have the people at the top, and then it goes down, down, down the pyramid. So he's kind of in the middle of the pyramid. He has people underneath him whom uh, he wants to come and buy product from him. That's how he makes money. Hopefully he'll reach higher and higher levels up to the actual creator of this scheme. Now, they don't know it's a pyramid scheme, but we do because we're not stupid, okay? 
Now, the head of this scheme is played by Ted Levine. Now, if you go, who's Ted Levine? He's the bad guy that isn't Anthony Hopkins in uh, that movie, Silence of the Lambs. Uh, uh, oh, oh, they put the lotion in the basket. Yes. Okay. Him. Okay. So he this, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Great actor. Don't mess with him. So he's at the top. He has this wig and facial hair and all this other stuff going on. Now, Kirsten Dunst's character, Crystal, ain't in any of this. And she ain't afraid to speak her mind. And uh, by the way, this is set in the early 90s. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Thank you. So, okay, Alexander Skarsgård is all into it. Kirsten Dunst is like, but you're my husband. And she works at this amusement park, this lower level amusement park in Central Florida. You know, it's Orlando adjacent is what they call it. <laughs> so she has a manager. She has a boss on t- that's above this manager at the job. And the husband is like, look, we need to get them to take these products. That will help me make my millions. This oh. is our ticket. Now, does it happen that way? Also, as you move through these first two episodes, something major happens. And what is the result of that is that Crystal, played by Kirsten Dunst, is left holding the bag. So what oh. is she going to do with it? Mm-hmm. Oh. Is she going to take it lying down? Huh. You know that she's not. So that's why the title is On Becoming a God in Central Florida. Who's the one becoming a god? Is it Kirsten Dunst, as we believe, or is it something else that's going on? Okay. Now, why did they release two episodes for free, as you said, Ref? That was my question before I started watching it. You don't just give away two episodes for free. I am too smart now with what's going on. And I go, there's a fish here. Because if it was that good, you wouldn't have done it. Maybe one episode. Yeah, but two out of 10, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. So you know the first episode's probably not that good. Mm. Because they want you to get into the second. Which I did. The first one, I was like, what is the perspective on this? Like, exactly why did you make this show? I'm not clear. I do see that Kirsten, Alexander, the rest of the cast, and it's really a really strong cast. They're working hard, but to what end? So then I went to the second episode, and, you know, these episodes um, are about 40 minutes. This is not half an hour. So I went to the second episode, and I I still had that question. So, I mean, if, I don't even know what to say about this show. If you want to see what Kirsten's doing here, you can. I mean, she's wearing braces, ref, and it's like all of this stuff going on. It's like, okay, why? Like, is this really a comedy? Because if so, it's not funny. If it's a dark comedy, it's not dark enough. Go there. You have the cast. Go there. And I'm out. Ooh, ouch, ouch. Well, let's, let's, let's turn the tide a little bit. Let's go to something very familiar, <laughs> and that is Ballers. Now, yeah. Ballers is back. Remember, this is on HBO. Remember, this is of a rock. I don't even know if he goes by that. I think it's just Dwayne Johnson now. Everybody knows who he is. Mm-hmm. This is its last season. We're in season five, five years of this. It's its last season, and I don't know. There's a bittersweet part of this because we know – um, just on the outside that The Rock's schedule is insane. Yeah. I mean, he's doing movies, he's doing TV shows, he's doing all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But we also know that the characters in this show, they're growing up. And it's, they're, some of them are football players and, you know, 
five years seems about right to end, you know, because that's the span of some of these guys' careers. Um, But the real question is, for Mr. Johnson, we've seen him have it all. We've seen him lose it all. We've seen him change careers. Mm. And now the question is, where does he land in all of this? Yeah, and maybe this was a three-season show. Now. Oh, don't. We need some happies. <laughs> Any happies coming along? <laughs> maybe we'll get there in the end. We'll find out. Now, so uh, Dwayne Johnson, Mr. Johnson, is once again playing Spencer Strasmore, like you said, a retired NFL player who became a, a financial manager. And now in this final season, here's the setup. The NFL, after all kinds of craziness we went through uh, through the first four seasons, the NFL itself wants him to become the majority owner of the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm. Spencer. Mm. Now, Spencer has been an advocate for players the whole time. He's wanted to lift people up along with him. So he goes, I don't know. You know, I've been fighting the man. I don't want to be the man. Now, me watching it, I go, this is stupid writing. Anybody in this position would jump at the chance to do that because you would be able to affect change from the inside. It's obvious. And excuse me, he would be the first black owner in the NFL. Like, this is whatever. And then they have a character come in to tell him that. Uh. Come on. Come on. Come on, y'all. Like, expect your characters. Anyway. In this season, he's no longer with his business partner, Joe. Uh, Joe is now working with um, that crazy uh, comedian guy. Okay. Friend. Okay. And they're still doing their financial thing. And and Joe is now confronted with buying all of this land to really branch out and do something big. Now, he's hesitant at first. But what happens when he finds out that Spencer might become an NFL owner? Then we get to the players, uh, former player Charles, who is now uh, a, a GM. Um, he's now thinking about uh, Ricky Jarrett, this this prospect played by John David Washington, who is tested positive for taking PEDs. Oh, no. But he knew this was coming. So does he keep Ricky on the payroll? Ricky's his friend. Or does he let him go? Now, Ricky had a very good season for them, and he comes cheap. Okay. Then we also have Vernon, who's another football player. He wants to leave the business. He wants to become a professional video game player. (laughs) Now, his good buddy is looking at him going, really? Really, dude? You want to give up being an NFL star to play video games? Are you serious? And so from there, we can see what's going to happen. The thing for me with Ballers is it's not fun anymore. Where is the fun? What they've embraced this whole um, thing in the zeitgeist, uh, the whole Colin Kaepernick kind of spirit, which is not good. We are not watching the show for reality. You can have that, but you have to have a dose of fun. That's what it had in its early seasons. It's lost that. Is this even a comedy anymore? I don't know. Okay, well, you know, there are more episodes to come. Maybe you'll get your wish. But let's also move on. Because <laughs> we don't want to stay here too long. Let's go to some season finales. Yes, sweet middle. 
a little sweet season. We're saying ta-ta for now. It's on stars, and if you remember the critic and his strange affinity towards food <laughs> that he doesn't eat anyway. You just throw potatoes at him. But no, it's 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 that show. He'll go over some of the details, but it's in its second season. Um, Stars is saying, I don't. Did they say yes to season three? I'm not sure. We don't know. But we do know it's a season finale for sure. Uh, maybe a series finale. Who knows? Who knows? Um, you know, speaking of food, Ref, I've been. I just started reading and actually have almost finished a book called Sous Chef 24 Hours on the Line, which is written by a real chef. And he cobbled together real experiences he had and put it into 24 hours. So you get a feel for what it would be uh, to be a sous chef in a a relatively upscale New York City restaurant. Mm. So as I'm reading that, I'm watching this. And I've talked about this show. We have uh, Tess, played by Ella Purnell. She is this uh, new member of the wait staff in season one, and now she's a back waiter in season two, which means she delivers the food to people, okay? She's not taking orders. Uh, And she's got her nose in everybody's business. Uh, There's this guy, Jake, whom she's just so smitten with, and she's really trying to get his attention throughout the first two seasons. By the end of this season, does something happen? Yes. What is that something? I won't give that away. Uh, Now, Jake has this complicated relationship with one of his colleagues at this restaurant, Simone. Jake is a bartender. Simone is basically the lead waiter at the restaurant. Okay, all right. They're not that far apart in age, but Simone raised Jake after his mother died. And some other stuff happened that we found out at the end of this season between them. That sounds complicated. So is this some sort of triangle that's starting to form? That's the question. And then we have other people at the restaurant. We have Will, who loves Tess, but Tess loves Jake. So that's the whole thing. And Will is now becoming a manager. Okay, under Paul Sparks's character, Howard. And Howard is very serious about running the restaurant in the right way, but maybe his personal life isn't so serious. Hmm, that's the question. We also have, they dealt with um, being an illegal immigrant in this season and the different factions of immigration, how those different uh, groups have infighting, let's say. We also have who would want to be on the wait staff of this kind of mid-level to upscale restaurant. Who would want to do that? Who would, uh, what kind of uh, people are these? What kind of brains do they have? One of the characters gave up law school to be here, but she's brilliant and she has money. So why is she there? Another one is, is rich, we find out. Why is she at the restaurant and so on and so forth. Now, this is set in the early 2000s, I believe. And I've always said about this, I live in New York City and it's just, it seems a bit pretentious. I'm not buying it when they when they do this stuff. All of these relationships to me, I'm like too old for this. I see right through it and it's ridiculous. Like, look, stop, don't throw yourself at people. If you make your intentions known, that's it. Then you say sayonara. I mean, uh, whatever. So what I would love is if, and they won't, but what I would love is if they focused on the running of the restaurant and the food. That's when it's its best. Uh, they did have Sandra Bernhard come in as the owner of the restaurant. We didn't even know there was one. 
And she had this wonderful scene where she has this ripe tomato. And of course, Tess is there because she's always there. And so is Howard. And they're tasting this tomato. And I'm just like, this is the show. And right after it, she's like, okay, good night <laughs> to Tess. Get out. <laughs> That's the kind of thing. The, at the end of the season, ref, there was a mouse in the restaurant. Howard's going nuts. He wants to find this mouse. How, how do you do that with guests in the room, right? That's the whole thing. Like, that's the show. That's what I can click into. Um, the rest of it, to me, is just, it's passable. Okay. Well, if you love, 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 love food, maybe it's, it's, it's for you. <laughs> Ooh, drama, yeah. Let's move on. Speaking of drama... <laughs> Let's move on to the series finale of a show that who knew? Who knew? It's called Pose. You've seen the posters. I mean, they are advertising the heck out of this show. It's on FX. We've concluded season two. They've already renewed it for season three, even before we got anywhere near finished with season two. Yeah. It's a hit for FX. And for very specific reasons, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so once again, we are now, we started in season one in the 80s in New York City. We're now in the early 90s. Uh, you know, Vogue has happened. And in this season, we start right before Vogue comes in. It makes a splash. The trans community in particular is very happy, but really just all of ball culture because Madonna has now brought them into mainstream. Can they capitalize on this? So we see that uh, the character played by MJ Rodriguez, Bianca, who is a mother of a house. Now I've mentioned what this means if you haven't seen this show. So in a ball culture and in the gay community, they have uh, houses where, let's say this, you were kicked out of your home after coming out to your parents. Where do you go? Who's gonna take you in? Well, you can find a house. So you might have a mother, you might have a father in the house and they take care of you, you're their kids, et cetera, and so on. And you compete together at the balls where the voguing goes on and all other kinds of categories that they have. So we see that Bianca in, in her house, oh, all of her kids are just doing great things. One of them is broken into the modeling world. This is a trans woman in 1991-ish. Okay, ah. what's that like? Another is finally graduated from dance school and he's gone off to do great things. One of them who was a drug dealer, she brought him in, is now managing the model in the house. So oh. all of her kids are growing up and by the end of the season, they've left the house. She has no more kids. What happens to Bianca as a result? Also, a big part of this show is uh, how do you deal with HIV AIDS at the time? What was going on? Because Bianca has HIV and others do as well. Uh, Billy Porter's character, Pray Tell, has it as well. So a lot of this season was about dealing with that even more than season one. And what happens when you contract it? Because certain characters find out that they have it in season two and they have to be cared for as well. So that was going on. Plus Bianca herself has become a business owner. She has her own nail salon. Now, the owner of the building that she uh, is renting out a space in, <laughs> you're gonna love this rap, is played by Patty Lapone. 
So you know what you get for Penny LaPose. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you. Yes, she's like, it's the 90s. I am a woman you're going to take seriously. And uh, I didn't know you were a trans woman. Uh-oh. <laughs> so there at Loggerheads, we see what comes to fruition throughout the season with that. I won't even give that one away. Of course, all of them start singing at some point. We always get this scene. Because if you don't know, MJ Rodriguez was in Rent. We know Billy Porter is a Tony Award winning Broadway star. We know Patti LuPone. <laughs> Patti LuPone is Broadway. Yes. So you get all of that. Um, but by the end, the real question is, where is Bianca mentally and health-wise, physically? And in the end, what happens? We also see a lot of other characters here, things happen. I mean, we see the dangers of, of being, not just in the gay community, but a, a trans person, uh, especially in 91. And then I started thinking, Ref, how much has changed? Like this show is at its best when it's not telling, when it's showing. When it's saying, this is what it's like, let's show you. I wish they would stop the telling. Less of that, less preaching, unless it's pray tell. He can get away with it because Billy Porter's doing it. I'm saying <laughs> that, show, show it. When they show it, it's great. And when they have a sense of humor, oh, there was a whole section in this season where uh, one of the, the main characters uh, who was Bianca's mother before Bianca left, Electra. She, to make money, became a dominatrix. Okay. One of her clients took things too far, ended up dead. Oh my gosh. She left him, came back, gone. So how do you get rid of this body? You can't go to the cops. That whole thing was hilarious with a character named Candy who helped her out. They met this other character who gets rid of bodies. That, I, I was laughing. But the thing is, as I was laughing, I was, it stuck. This isn't that far-fetched. Look at what they have to do to survive. And then how can you cover this thing up? Like, see, that's when it, it has its moments. At the end in the finale, when Bianca has this big reveal, I won't give that away. It was great. It was great. They, I mean, they sent a character away, died in a tragic circumstance. And some of those moments were nice as well. So again, for me, this is, this is a show that's the show. That's what they need, not the tell. So it's a mixed bag if you're gonna watch it, but there's certainly nothing like it. It's certainly entertaining, I'll give it that. So you can forgive it for its writing flaws, its acting flaws sometimes, and even when it has focus problems. Well, let's say goodbye. Let's say goodbye to a show that has confused us. <laughs> it's perplexing. It's disturbing. It's hilarious. It's tragic. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of things. And we may just walk away from this thing not knowing what we watched. But. <laughs> yeah. But. We do say we say salut. <laughs> yes, exactly. Salut. Salut to Baskets oh. on FX. Now, if you, we've been talking about this show for four years, literally for four years, we have been talking about Baskets. And the cast alone is a an award-winning cast, very unexpectedly. And the premise alone is enough to make your head spin. For this last time, yeah. critic, tell us a little bit about baskets. 
if you can. So, so the basket's name, um, it has multiple meanings, but it is the last name of this family. Um, and the family includes Louis Anderson as the mother. We got to say that every time. So he's, uh, we always have to do this. He's not a trans mother. No. It's Louis Anderson is the mother. Is Yes. Playing the mother. <laughs> Gave birth to two sons, two twin sons. <laughs> and adopted two other twin sons. Oh. Yes. So, uh, but the other two twin sons, they're off traveling the world as DJs and they just drop in and like, hey mom, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Uh, um, so, yeah, and, and Louis Anderson as Christine Baskets will go down as one of the greatest TV roles in history. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Whether you've seen it or not, the thought of how to do it where Louis goes, okay, yeah, I, you know, I have my own mother. I love my mother. I, this is going to be based on her, but I'm not acting like a woman. <laughs> I'm playing the character, Louis Anderson, the actor. It's brilliant. It is brilliant in its simplicity because you don't need to play the woman. They put him in the moo moo, they put a wig on him, <laughs> press his hair out. And that's it. You get a, get a little bit of rouge, not too much. <laughs> and it's great. It's just, it works so well. And uh, Christine in the season got married again. Oh, I, no, I knew she was dating around, but I didn't know she was married. Got married to a mattress king from Colorado. <laughs> so that was nice to see and when it comes to um her twin sons the uh two sons played by zach galafianakis he plays both sons plays both okay. chip and dale which you love <laughs> so chip is the one who wants to be a clown he's been trying to be a clown um even in this season you know he's kind of like oh maybe i should give up on the clowning uh, but he gets this opportunity to be a clown in a hospital cheering kids up. Does that go well? <laughs> okay, what happens with that? And he meets another clown who's like, look, you've got to come into this century. <laughs> you got to be a superhero clown. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And uh, Dale, his twin brother, uh, Dale, first of all, they are in like Stockton, California, or uh, sorry, Bakersfield, Field, California. And he has a Southern dialect. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it, it makes no sense, but it works. It makes no sense. He has a bullock. He has a Southern dialect. He is now living in a trailer park and he's ruling the tra trailer park. He has a, a, a daughter, uh, a two daughters, by the way, um, who comes to visit him. The older daughter does. And that's a whole thing because he's ridiculous. And uh, at this moment, the family owns a rodeo. So in season four, uh, Chip is managing the rodeo. Oh, okay. We didn't know he could do this. But the city or the state wants to run a high-speed uh, rail line through them, I believe it is. So they're going to pay them to tear down this rodeo. Oh. Now, do they, does the Baskets family want to do this? Maybe not. Maybe they're against it. What happens in the end? And throughout the season, Chip, through Martha, who I guess is his best friend, but he treats her like a doormat. So, uh, and Martha never speaks above a whisper. So, I mean, they, they knocked the woman out in, in, at the end of the season. And she, you know, she's in the hospital like, oh, hey, hey, Chip. <laughs> oh, no. So Martha introduces him to a life coach. And this life coach sees him and goes, oh, I can make something out of you. But how much money does it cost? Oh, right? okay. So in the end, where is everybody? 
What's going on with Christine and her marriage? Is she going to stay in Bakersfield? Is she going to Colorado? What's happening with that? What about Chip and Dale? What about their relationship? Is Chip still going to be a clown? What happens if the rodeo goes away? What will he have to do? Dale, who cares about him because he's ridiculous? He's just completely ridiculous. And what about poor old Martha? Will she ever get rid of the cast that's been on her arm since the opening of this show? So, <laughs> Baskets. <laughs> so, Baskets hasn't been perfect. No, it doesn't even need to be. It is a singular television. If you have a quirky sensibility when it comes to comedy, check this out. It does go to drama. It goes to full-on drama as you move through. But they still have this weird air about it. And the very ending images was of Chip being the clown that he always wanted to be. It was a cute way to go out. So I say thank you to them. Uh, I can't say it was perfect, but it was worth it. Oh, that's good. We say we say thank you, Baskets, for four years of just you. <laughs> now, I told you this was a potpourri. We had from ballers to baskets. Ooh. That's what we should call this episode. <laughs> well, regardless, school is, has started or it's about to start. Why not, you know, listen, why not just sit on your couch? Kids are off to bed. They're going to bed early now. Go ahead. Watch one of these shows. Maybe, just maybe, you can make it to Monday. (laughs) Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea, and we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.